to today's episode of the Group Therapy Podcast. Today we have from Ohio, uh, not horribly far from me, uh, we have actor, uh, stuntman, former professional wrestler, uh, Chris Hahn. Chris, tell us about yourself. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, um, thank you for coming. I am a 28-plus year veteran in the world of professional wrestling. And currently, I am a 12-year actor stuntman in movies and motion pictures, um, TV, and um, personal trainer. I work as a uh, um, life fitness coach for nonviolent drug offenders. So uh, I do a little bit of everything, but I don't master anything at all, <laughs> I guess you would say. Yeah, jack of all trades, master, master of none. Master of none, exactly. Um. <sighs> So I, I got you for our Comic-Con, and I want to thank you again sure. for coming to the Comic-Con. Oh, I want to thank you for having me. I had a blast. Yeah, they, they the uh, the mall manager was like, man, your actor guy was a big hit. I'm like, yeah, I know he was a <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad everything worked out. Yep. So we're, gonna, we're, we're definitely going to have you back next time. And I appreciate I it. Might even... Um, uh, if I if I can get things worked out on my movie that I'm supposed to be making, we're gonna I'm gonna reach out to you too. So. Awesome, I appreciate that. Yep. Um, so first of all, you've been you've been in professional wrestling the longest. How'd right. you get into professional wrestling? Well, um, in high school, I was always kind of a big mouth show off, and nothing is better to show my skills as a big mouth show off as a professional wrestler. So um, I trained in a place in Marion, Ohio, called the Monster Factory. And there was one in Baltimore, Maryland, and one in the Tampa, Tampa, Florida area. And guys like Lex Luger and uh, the Big Show and some of the big name guys came out of the school in uh, the one in Baltimore, Maryland, and the one in Tampa. Um, the gentleman that trained me in, in Ohio, his name was Charlie Fulton. And Charlie used to be a uh, um, wrestler back in the old NWA days when it was Rick Flair and the Four Horsemen and Arn Anderson and and uh, Dusty Rhodes and all those guys. So the cool thing about it was whenever those guys were in Columbus working for one of their shows, they would stop in the Marion office and they would work out with us. So it'd be pretty cool when you'd see Rick Flair and a band of his cronies come in and they just want to train for the day. So it worked out pretty well. And um, so then I was my first match ever was against the Road Warriors in Rochester War Memorial. So my trainer had a lot of ins with management in the World Wrestling Federation. And when I was in it, it was the World Wrestling Federation. And what he would do during our training period is he would send us up there to be what they call glorified jobbers. And what we would do is we'd get the tar kicked out of us and put over the superstars and make them look larger than life. It's kind of like how we sharpened our teeth in the world of, of the professional wrestling business. I got to ask before we go too far. Sure. Do you do you prefer jobber or perform or enhance perform uh, enhancement talent? It really doesn't matter to me. <laughs> same thing. Because basically, it's the same thing. I mean, when we went in there, our trainer would always tell us, um, "Keep your ears open and keep your mouth shut, and learn from the veterans and learn." And I've always used that in the set, even with the stunts and stuff. I'd always listen to the the guys that are a little more farther along than me, even though. 28 years of professional wrestling is like 28 years of choreographed fight stunts because everything is 
safety, 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 and everything is choreographed and everything is basically professional wrestling is like a dance. I don't go in there to hurt anybody. I go in there to put on a show. And as long as we can both walk out um, with no bruises and bumps and broken bones, then we've done our job, you know? I mean, not every match is going to go 100, 110%. There's always going to be mess-ups. Um, yeah. But I've, I've been blessed because I've got to work with some of the greatest. I mean, I've worked with The Undertaker. I've worked with the Road Warriors. I've worked with the Nasty Boys. I got to wrestle the Ultimate Warrior, the Steiner Brothers. Um, and, yeah, it's, it was pretty surreal. I, you can you can say no. How hard was it to wrestle the warrior? I, I Ultimate Warrior basically was basically he comes running down to the ring, shakes the ropes, does his thing, turns around, clotheslines me, press slams me over his head, throws me out of the ring, pulls me back in the ring, and then he does his like frog splash thing. One two three. It didn't last very long. Shakes the rings, runs in the back. It's over with. But the paydays are pretty nice when you work for the WWF or whatever. You know, right. they, they take care of you by by uh, reimbursing you in gas money. They put you up in a fancy schmancy hotel and they feed you like a king. So what we would do is we would go on what we call three-day trips with them. So we would go on a Saturday night and work a house show. And then Sunday we work – so they used to have a thing called Sunday Night Heat. Yep. Work Sunday Night Heat. And then we do the Monday Night Raw um, show – and then on on Tuesdays, every I think it was every two or three times a month, they would run a show on Tuesdays, and it would be their videotapings for their superstars show, which was on Saturday mornings. So I got to wrestle Papa Shango. I caught on fire. Shawn Michaels got to kick me in the mouth and knock me halfway to Mexico. So yeah, I had a blast. I mean, I got to I got to hang out with. When you make it in the WWF, it doesn't matter if you're um, an enhancement guy or a glorified jobber, it's like playing in the NFL. It's kind of like your second or third string on the NFL football team. You're at the top of the top. There's no promotion higher than that promotion, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you figure the amount of people who want to get into the WWF is a ton. You know, every indie wrestler wants to be in the big time, whether it be sure. AEW, Ring of Honor, impact you know right right there's only what maybe 500 people that can get into those five sure. organizations sure so thousands of people are trying and only 500 can make it and some of them guys aren't going anywhere you know randy orton ain't going nowhere right uh you know those guys aren't going anywhere so they're not going to get replaced right and the fact that even that you made it to the show to begin with that shows something there because sure. you know you to be able to make it that far it's like you know piqua where i'm from has a long history ironically enough of guys making it to the nfl sure little tiny twenty five thousand population they're about and we've had several people in the nfl that's it's awesome. crazy right but you know they, they, some of them didn't play long. Some of them, I don't even know if one of them played a full game, but they made it that far. And that's right, right. Well, and, I, used to, I worked I worked for the WWF for a while while I was training, and, and I would use my connections and Charlie to get in. But then once I kind of graduated from the school, I had to go hustle. And what I would do is I would go to the shows like five minutes late with a gym bag, 
and them thinking the people at the security at the door thinking that my gym bag was full of trunks and, and boots and wrestling. It was full of headshots and DVDs because I would work my way backstage and then I would pass them out. I got to be pretty good friends with Jimmy Cornette and he was kind of like the developmental talent guy. And whenever they were in the East coast of the United States, he'd give me a call and say, Hey, we're going to be in Cincinnati on, on Saturday. We're going to, or Sunday, we're going to be in Lexington, Kentucky on Monday. And then we're going to go to Wheeling, West Virginia. We're going to do our three day TV tapings. Are you, are you in it? And I'm like, sure. I mean, you don't turn them down or you never go back. Yeah. You know, so. Oh yeah. It's just all about the hustle. It's like everything you do. It's in the, in the um, acting world. Um, You show up on set. You introduce yourself to the stunt coordinator. You give him a headshot and a resume, and then you send him your acting reel or your stunt reel, and you say, hey, I'm here in town if you need me. And 90% of the time, they're going to need an extra guy or two, so they give you a call, you know? And then you get in good with those guys because they, they see that you actually want to work and you're not difficult. And so they keep you in the Rolodex, and next time they come around the area or they need a six-foot-two bullheaded guy that can fall down a flight of stairs, they give me a call, you know? So... Oh yeah, because you know we, we were talking at the show, and you were telling me, and it was like, oh yeah, I played a Russian in this one, or I did this. I'm like, <laughs> right? You know, did, do you ever find that hard? You know, to or do they just like just pretend to speak Russian? Do you, do well, you know, the thing about it is, most of the characters that I play are um, my acting is based on my my looks and my my appearance. And it's yeah. not really based on um, a lot of dialogue. They may throw me a line here or there, but a lot of times I played the thug, the Russian, the inmate, the security guard, the prison guard, the bouncer, the um, um, the axe giant. The axe giant. I'm also what they call a super former, so I wear the prosthetic makeup, monster stuff, and I play that. So, so a lot of my stuff is based on my size and my appearance. And I don't have, now that I'm 52 years old and I've had a hip replacement and all this and that, I, I, I'm I trying to jump over more into the acting. So I got an acting coach down in Columbus, Ohio, and I work with her once a week. And she works with me on my Russian dialect and my Russian, on my German dialect. And I'm learning like with the Russian words, it's like a W is now a V. So when you say where, it's there, you know? So it makes you sound like, yeah, even though I've never been anywhere close to Russia, you know, I still have that, that persona of being a German Nazi or, a, I mean, I, I worked on a Ben Stiller movie and uh, a TV show called Escape from Dannemore with Bandicio del Toro. And I was the head of the Aryan Brotherhood in the, in the stunt. We did a big riot scene in the, in the prison yard. And they put tattoos of swastikas all over my head. And it was just crazy. And I'm the farthest thing from that because I'm one of the nicest guys you can meet, yeah. you know. <laughs> and uh, but I have that persona of like when I'm a trainer, people think I'm kind of like a Sergeant Carter on Gomer Pyle because I'm yelling and screaming and carrying on and stuff. And, and I intimidate a lot of people because I'm loud and I'm big. But like I said, I'll do anything for anybody. And and I always I was always taught. And I and it happened to me that in order to get to where I'm at, there's there's a there's a line of people that helped me out. Now I'm not saying I'm a big superstar, but I'm 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 versed enough where I can lead people in the right direction on how to start their careers off. It's kind of the old saying, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. So yeah. I 
I someone scratched I scratched somebody's back because a long time ago they scratched I you know they scratched mine. So you know it is what it is. Oh yeah, I I completely understand that. Mm-hmm. I uh, I've uh, done some work and done some charity work and stuff like that for when uh, I was dirt poor nothing had nothing and uh now i always get back whenever possible sure people that have helped me get back on my feet and stuff like that and and it's it's nice to have that and you know i've given back far more than i ever took but i i continue to give back because this is what you do exactly yep so um i i I gotta go back to wrestling for one thing though no no problem take your time Uh, um so I've always heard Undertaker will take care of you 100% in the ring. Yes. Yeah, he's he's old school, and it, he protects his opponents 100%. And sure. That's, okay, cool. That's, yeah. And uh, Most of those guys are gentle giants. You know, yeah. they're out there to put a show on. They're not out there to hurt anybody. You know, I mean, when you, when you look at guys like Ric Flair, who come off as the biggest SOB in the world – the guy will give you a shirt off his back. I mean, he's a super nice guy, you know? I, I met him once at, uh, of all places, a strip club. <laughs> I went to uh, buy him a drink, and he was like, no, you don't buy a Ric Flair drink. Ric Flair buys you a drink. That's awesome. And, and he bought drinks for me and my buddy, and it was like, because they had done a WCW house show at Hair Arena. Okay. And we had just left because we went to Harrow, watched that. We'd come back by. We stopped at the living room in, Tr- right. in Dayton. And we're having a couple beers to chill out. And then we're going to head home. And me and my buddy were sitting there going, is, is that Ric Flair? I was like, I think it's Ric Flair. And he's like, I was like, I'm going to go to the restroom. I'm going to walk by him and see if it's Ric Flair. And I did that whole thing where I walked behind him. And I'm like, I looked at my buddy. I'm like, That's awesome. And That's I was awesome. Like, but you know the crazy thing about it is those guys are so approachable. Oh yeah, because they all have that philosophy of I couldn't live the lifestyle that I live if it wasn't for people paying to come to my shows yep. and watch us. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. every now and then you'll run across an arrogant guy who's completely full of himself. But ninety yeah. percent of the time, most of those guys are the uh, you know they're very approachable. You're easy to talk to. Yep. The uh, some of the nicest people I've ever hung out with and talked to were Tommy Dreamer, Kevin Sullivan, sure. Rhino, and these guys right. were just super down to earth, chit-chatting about stuff, goofing off. And uh, you're just like, man, because you, you're like, this is impressive. I like it. And they're just regular dudes. <laughs> right. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Now, um, you, you, how did you go from the wrestling <laughs> ring to the act to acting. Okay, so in 2014, December 7th, I had a softball-sized brain tumor. And a lot of that was from the head shots and the chair shots and, and the jarring of the head. The doctor told me after they did a PET scan that they estimated that I had around 37 concussions based on my wrestling career. So I had a softball-sized brain tumor that was removed in 2000, or 2014, December 7th. And the doctor told me no more wrestling. And so I was talking to a buddy of mine by the name of Dave Hutchinson, who's a big time stunt guy out in LA. And he's like, well, why don't you get into the stunt work? And I'm like, well, he goes, you did 25 years of professional wrestling, which is choreographed fights. He goes, why don't you just get in for the fights? And he goes, just, 
everything is safety, safety, safety. You know, in the professional wrestling world, they try to make it safety, safety, but it's not because you get guys that are all juiced up that go in there and just toss you around and they don't care as long as they look good. When you have a stunt coordinator on set and he's watching things and things don't go as planned, he'll jump down your throat. You know, there's a safety protocol and um, it's kind of like if you get hurt, it's going to cost production money. And that means we got to shut the film down and that's going to be more money. And then we get bad publicity and that's going to be even more money. So it's like safety, safety. Like when I'll go and do a fight on a movie, we'll go in like maybe four or five days early and we'll rehearse it for like five hours a day. And then they put you up and they put you in a nice place and they pay you really good and all this and that. But, you know, sometimes money's the second. I'd rather go on set and have a great fight then go on set and have a mediocre fight and get paid a lot, a lot, a lot of money for it. Even though money is nice, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't say much for your career, you know, because you do a lot of crap work and then that's all they're going to see is crap work. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much you get paid for those, you know, handful of, you know, if you don't get hired again. Right. Exactly. Yep. Um, Because, I've I've talked to a couple other wrestlers who were able to 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 do the jump from wrestling to acting, and <clears throat> um, the the one I didn't get to talk to him, but I, I read an interview with him, and it was uh, uh, John Moxley slash Dean Ambrose, okay. and they were talking with him. And they were like, "Heron, how did you like to go from when he when he did his movie to to acting? He's, it's easy because we get one tag to shoot the stuff live, so we have to get that right." He right. goes, "Man, acting, man." Like, had mine down pat because everybody else on the set and sitting there with their with their we're going over their lines because well I had- you know the thing about it is when i started doing the acting stuff i started i started taking theater classes because theater classes are a lot like professional wrestling um you can't screw up and if you do you got to be able to think on your feet and you got to be able where in the movie business um they'll do the same scene but they shoot at like seven different angles and by the time you get to that seventh angle, you got everything down pat, everything's looking great and stuff like that. And then it's time to move on to the next thing. And then you're all screwed up all over again. But uh, yep. but uh, um, I, I always prefer playing the bad guy because I've been the bad guy for 20 some years in the wrestling world. So it's just more comfortable. Plus, I don't look like the nice guy that's, you know, going to go out for buy a Christmas tree with his daughter. I mean... Even though that would be great, but you're not going to see me in a Hallmark movie. You're not going to, unless I'm, unless I'm the guy that beats up the hero and, you know, and I'm the, or you're not going to see me in like the movie, like the notebook, stuff like that. Number, number one, I would not, not do it, but I would be uncomfortable because it's kind of not my genre. My genre is action. My genre is horror. Um, If a guy's not getting knocked on his ass or getting his head cut off, I really don't want to be involved. You know, I mean, that sounds kind of crazy, but, you know. Oh, believe me, I, I've I've worked on uh, a handful of movie sets and all of them have been horror. Well, except for one. Um, I'm actually in a Christmas movie, which is odd. I'm, nice. I'm, I'm an extra, but I'm, I'm there. I'm in a I'm in a scene in the background. Sure. Sure. And uh, it was. Um, but no, it, it's. I, I want to say being on the set of a horror movie is so much more fun. Sure it is. Well, we shot a- we shot a um, Funhouse Massacre down in your area at Land of Illusions. Ah. And 
where I was down there for a week and I play a character by the name of Rocco. And Rocco is this six foot eight, 300 and some pound. But what they did was there was all these um, people that were locked up in this insane prison and the fun house had characters of the people that were locked up in the prison. Well, they escape and they come to the fun house. And in the movie, I get my face ripped off. And he wears my face throughout the whole movie because he rips off the character's face and wears it as a mask, basically. So even though I'm only in five minutes of the movie, I'm throughout the whole movie because my face is on his face. They don't give me much credit like that, but that's the way I look at it, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah but no, good. Cincinnati's huge down there. Huge in that and Dayton. Are oh, real Dayton's big. huge. I work with a few guys out of Dayton. That's mm -hmm. who I've worked with on, on movies. And um, it's it's fun. I, uh, I got one, I, I guess, I was an important character. I wasn't a lead or nothing like that. Sure. And... Um, I was on set. He showed me up. I come in. I get the makeup on. I'm literally setting off waiting for my scene. Sure. And um, he comes in. He's like, all right, I need you to be scary. I need you to be, you know, you're, you're going to be a, a cult. cult. You're like <laughs> trying to murder this girl and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, okay. And um, he's like, man, you, I nailed it. I, one take, boom. I did everything almost perfect. I dropped it because he shoots me and I drop out of the scene and everything. Oh. He, is, he goes, when I tell you to drop out of the scene, I thought you were just going to kind of like, you know, like, it's like, no, I just dropped. I just dropped like I was a bag of bricks. Right, right. And he's like, that was great. Um, and it was one of my favorite moments. Is, is uh, The worst part about it is the movie has never been edited together. We, we lost the director after the movie was shot. Really? So the movie's never been finished, finished. Um, but one day we were at a... Um, he used to do a movie night at Inglewood Theater down by Dayton. And he's like, he's with me and him. I'm helping. He's like, help me clean. So I'm helping him pick stuff up and stuff like that. And he goes, now he goes, go hang out in the theater. He's like, I got something I want to show you. And I'm like, all right. I'm not even thinking about it. And then he shows my scene up on the big screen. And it's funny because it's, it's for like 30 seconds. The only thing you see is my face. And I got this big gash across my face and uh, the hero comes up behind me and I do the whole, you know, where you hear the click and your eyes right. go up and that. And then I drop out of frame and stuff. And I was like, man, that's awesome. <laughs> it is. And it though. So the, I think my biggest surreal part, move part in a movie was I read, I worked on miles ahead, the miles Davis story. Oh, and cool. I got to sucker punch you and McGregor. Well, Usually you have a stand-in in case you actually hit the guy. Yeah. But you, you and McGregor was like, no, 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 I'm going to do the scene. So basically, in the movie, I'm my character's name is Ralph. He and I'm dating his ex-wife. Well, he hasn't paid his alimony, and I park my car in front of the grocery store and I run in to get something. And when I come out, he's leaning over, talking to his ex-wife. I go up, I tap him on the shoulder. When he turns around, I sucker punch him, knock him on the ground, stand above him, take the money out of his pocket, give it to her, and then I get in the side passenger seat and peel out. That was my scene. So I was a little, I was a little nervous about hitting you and McGregor because if he walks into it and I really punch him, he's not that big of a guy. And uh, but we nailed it in one take. Don Cheadle was the director. 
Don Cheadle came up and gave me a hug and said, that was awesome. One take is all we need. He goes, you just saved us a bunch of money because now we don't have to shoot every other different angle. We hit it over your right shoulder. You threw a right hook. We caught his facial expression, and he took a flat back, and it was perfect. So that was kind of my surreal thing because Don Cheadle's kind of like an A-list actor. When, when an A-lister comes up and says, hey, you nailed it, that makes you feel pretty darn good, you know? Yeah. We, we, have a, we have an ongoing saying around my house and at my shop is uh, um, there's a handful of actors that no matter what movie they're in, they are great in it. And Ewan McGregor is the, one of the guys who, no matter how bad the movie is, sure. he, he'll be the best part of a bad movie. Sure he will. You're right. And uh, man, it's just knowing that you were in a movie with Ewan McGregor. <laughs> yeah, well, it was pretty, it was pretty cool because we're sitting there and I came into the hotel at the end of the day and Don Cheadle and Ewan McGregor are sitting at the bar and they invited me over to have a beer with them. So I got to kind of hang out with them and, and shoot the shit. And the cool thing about it was the act, the stunt coordinator wasn't on set that day because it was just a one punch scene. So he gave me instructions and said, I'm going to let you choreograph this and you're going to be the stunt coordinator for the day. And so it was kind of like, I got to take over and say, Hey, this is how we're going to do things and such and such. But it was awesome because when you get to work with Don Cheadle directing and Ewan McGregor is your, is your co-actor in the scene, it's pretty cool. And plus I always thought, you know, doing lines with somebody at that level, it's going to be a little nerve wracking. It was really, I mean, he makes you feel it pretty easy, which he's an A-lister, man. I mean, because he's top notch. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know if I could be in a movie with Ewan McGregor. I'd be like, oh, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's what I said. So I, I tell people that are big Star Wars fans that I got to knock out Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> But no, I've had some pretty, I mean, I, I got to work with John Travolta in a movie called Criminal Activities, where I play his bodyguard. So every time Travolta's on set, I'm on set with him. Every time, you know, we get a break, I get to sit and chat with him. And then what a super nice guy, you know. He gave me some advice saying, um, and this is when I really took into the the whole, um, you being a professional wrestler, being a stuntman. He goes, dude, you worked 25 years as a stuntman. He goes, don't take shit from anybody and make sure you always get paid because you've done your freebies, you know, he goes, you might not get paid a lot, but at least you're getting something worth your time, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I got to work with Zach Efron. I got to work with, uh, I did a uh, extremely wicked and vile. And yeah. I had to play a stunt, the bailiff that gets to wrestle Zach Efron to the ground. And you know, the crazy story is people always say, well, you never have any love scenes and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, the closest I'm going to get to a love scene is wrestling Zac Efron to the ground. <laughs> I got. I, I got to admit, I, I, did, <laughs> I went into that movie and I was like, "Oh, it's Zac Efron." How's it? And then right. I'm like, "Oh my god, he blew me he away." He nailed it, didn't he? Yeah. And now I'm pumped for next month with him and Iron Claw. Yeah, that's how I saw a buddy of mine did the worked on the uh, stunt or the wrestling choreographed stuff. Hey, uh, Chavo Guerrero and a guy by the name of Luke Hawks. They yeah, kind of did the wrestling. Um, coordinating on that and it looked i auditioned for bruiser brody and i didn't get it but i also auditioned for young rock i auditioned for george the animal steel which i my audition was pretty good i my wife kind of laughs at me but uh it uh it was pretty good i i've met george animal steel a few times 
and um super cool dude but man yeah you could you could definitely do a, a <laughs> they'd have to they'd have to glue all the hair to you right right i know that's what i'm but if you see if you look at the uh um if you look at the the casting people that they casted the guy that cast even in normal looks like georgie animal steel i mean he looks exactly like him so i mean i understand i'm not going to get every part and I, I always tell people that are um that are starting their acting careers if you can't take rejection, do not get into this business. Yeah. You're going to get rejected nine times more than you're going to actually get a part. Yep. You know, well, you, you got to be persistent because yeah. you get the one in 10. Then you'll be, maybe you'll be three out of 10. Right. And people start knowing you, you get a good reputation. Then you get maybe five out of 10. Right. And then, you know, there's big name actors who go after roles who never get them. You know, right. it's right. So I, the, uh, I sit there and I read some of those auditions that that the actor had turned down the part. And then the next thing you know is the actor that they got the second choice wins an Academy Award and they go, well, we should have taken that part. But we didn't think it was going to be that big of a part and stuff. So, yeah, look at look what uh, uh, Will Smith turned down Neo in The Matrix. That right. was Keanu Reeves. And right now we got the Keanu Reeves we got now. Yeah. So the. Yeah. Uh, and the cool part about it is you talk about Luke Hawks. I got to see him wrestle and meet him in New Orleans. Where did you? Yeah, because I was down there for my anniversary. My wife's like, you want to see wrestling while we're down here? And I'm like, yeah. Heck yeah. So we went to wrestling. And uh, I ended up talking to him after the show. And they're like, dude, this guy came from Ohio to see us. I went, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. <laughs> I didn't drive all the way down here to see you guys wrestle. I have to be here and see you guys wrestle. Right. But right. it's great. It was really good wrestling. I think so, he's got some promotion now called Wildcat Sports. Yep. Wildcats, yep. Right. Oh man. And and uh so they're they're like literally picking my brain while I'm down there. So what so so what's it like up in Ohio? What's 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 the guys up there like? And I'm like, oh I, I go to this one, Genova. These are the guys I, I I'm friends with or the ones I talk to. Right. They're like, yeah, and I'm like, it's funny just seeing guys from different territories kind of like yeah. ask about how that territory is. Sure. But no, yeah. he's made it because he was the uh, the wrestling coordinator on heels. Yep, yeah, because he's the whole right on the heels too. Yeah, yeah, right. And that, that's oh my god, that was a disappointment, man. That that ended the way that did. I don't know if you. I, I didn't watch it, but I see they canceled it. it I guess um, Mike Mullaney or the guy who's the executive producer and the guy who created the show are like trying to take it somewhere else. And I guess they're doing that with the Young Rock too, because they both got canceled, but they're trying to take them to other networks. So. Sure, sure. They tried that with Outsiders, and it didn't work very well when it was on the what the WB or the CW or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Outsiders with, uh, gosh, what was his name? Um, the guy played Opie on Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, yeah. Ryan something. Yeah, yeah. Um. I Oh, it was it was shot in uh, Pittsburgh, and it was about the Appalachian guys that lived yep. up in the mountains. You know, yep. Uh, a guy I talked to was the uh, um, worked on that. He was a um, practical effects guy. Okay, so he's the one like blew up cars and stuff like that. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. We uh, we were at a con last year. We were side by side, so we just talked the entire weekend. <laughs> right. Oh, sure. Oh yeah, it's crazy how you get to meet people on the on the these cons, isn't it? Oh yeah, 
It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, and I, I met you because of James, because I right. did Stebbins con. He's like, man, right. if you talk to Chris, he's a good guy. And I'm like, well, I was like, I don't have an in with him. He's like, oh, you got me. So, he... <laughs> right. And so a buddy he... of mine, I went to school with his name's David Leslie Johnson. And, uh, he wrote all the conjurings. He wrote the, the orphan, the TV show, the orphan. Mm-hmm. He wrote, the Aquaman one, he's got the new Aquaman coming out. We were in English class together in high school. And I'm sitting there thinking, guy from Lexington, Ohio, is writing these multi-million dollar um, production scripts. And now he said, I was talking to him when he came back to visit his dad, and he was saying, I've made so much money now as a writer, I'm going to start producing, and I'm going to start um, making my own movies. And so I had to. he asked me to send me all his stuff out there. And he said, I got no problem bringing in an old high school buddy if you can do the job. And he wants to start shooting here in Ohio because he'll be close to his family, plus the tax incentive, you know? Yeah, I was going to say that that Ohio, <laughs> from, from other people I've talked to, one, it's got good tax incentives. Yeah. Two, it's centrally located. So, like, right. anybody can fly in. Anybody can, you know, <clears throat> and it's cheap to film here. Well, you can, you can get... Um, water-like effects up around Lake Erie in mm-hmm. the summertime. And then you can get mountain men effects in the in the southern part of Ohio, like at Hawking Hills and stuff yep. like that. And then you can get the big cities. I mean, the only thing you can't, the only thing you don't get is the desert. I mean, we don't yeah. have any desert around here. But if you really want desert, you go to the dunes in the upper part of Michigan. Yep. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, um, we were, we were joking around about some stuff a while back, and uh, I got a uh, my my wife's family's up in Michigan, so we have a now we have a cabin on the lake. Uh-huh. And now I know my all my buddies that make movies are like, oh, can we borrow your cabin? I'm there like, I, I I gotta talk to my my wife's uncle because he's the one that watches it while we're not there. <laughs> but sure. Yeah. We sure. Can, sure. Yeah. Um, and um, what's funny is is that you're in the it was supposed to be what the sixth wrong turn, but it technically yeah. became a soft reboot. Yeah, it's called uh, round wrong turn the the foundation. Yeah, and it's got a whole new twist on it. It's not about inbreds that are chasing people around. It's actually got a storyline to it. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. What'd you and think? I, I liked it. I really did enjoy. I thought it. the end of it. The end of it had a pretty good twist. Oh and yeah, it, it kept the door wide open for a sequel. Wide yeah. open. And and the best part about it is is that. Uh, like me and my wife are watching the trailer for that, and we're like, "We've been there, <laughs> right?" We were down at Hocking Hills, where, and it was like, "Oh, that's over by Old Man's Cave." That's right. Yep. And it's funny watching watching it filmed. I was like, "There," because they were pretending. And there was a scene where they were pretending they were like way, 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 way into the woods. Sure. And I looked at Tina. I'm like, Tina's like, literally all you do is go over that hill, and there's the parking lot. <laughs> exactly. And then they uh, they shot in that little small town right on the river. It started with a W, but I forget what the, the name of it. Yeah, I, I went there, but I think we ate at a little restaurant right. there. But I didn't. Yeah. Right. Oh man, but um, that that's that's really good. And it, it was funny because when I when uh, James reached out to me, I started going through your IMDb, and I'm like, oh my crap. Okay, I've seen that movie. Seen that movie. Seen that movie. Own that <laughs> movie. I own that movie. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. 
And I wish I hadn't buried it because I would have brought my copy of Wrong Turn for you to sign. But I you should have, I had an next one in my car. You should have said something to me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I do get, and I appreciate this, uh, Escape from uh, Death Block 13. You, have you seen it? I have not watched it yet. Oh, I'm, I'm disappointed. With this. So, <laughs> You'll I, enjoy it because it's, a, it's, a, it's an action-packed throwback 70s buddy movie escape buddy movie and i played the loudmouth um inmate that just causes trouble with everybody but then he's done wrong and they kind of turns into a buddy but the guy we brought in by the name of robert kovacs how much does he look like charles bronson unbelievable i had to show my grandmother because my grandmother um my grandpa loved uh charles bronson sure him yeah he was and I was like, have you seen this guy yet? She's like, who? And I'm like, he looks like Charles Bronson. And she's like, and I was like, I went and I pulled up a picture on my phone. I handed it to her. She's like, what's well, Charles Bronson? I'm like, no, that's not. She's like, his son? I was like, no, they're not even related. And she's not even like, related. that's him. I'm like, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. And he's, yeah. I'll tell you what, he's the nicest guy in the world. He's 67 years old. And there's a fight scene in there with us that took four and a half hours to shoot. And we were on the ground rolling around. We were, I mean, four hours and we shot it at one o'clock in the morning. Cause the only time we could get that prison was from four o'clock in the afternoon to four in the morning. Cause they have their tours through the day and that's their moneymaker. Mm -hmm. So we would get in at four, we'd start shooting around five and then we'd wrap around four in the morning. And we're in the middle of that prison and all kinds of spooky stuff going on. That's, have you ever been to the prison up here? No. I've written past it, but I ain't been to it. Oh, it's crazy. It's Shawshank. And then you ought to come up sometime for incarceration. And then they give tours, free tours, um, while the music stuff's going on. And I think you'd get a kick out of it. It's pretty yeah. creepy. I, I, I keep wanting to get up there because literally like a ton of my favorite bands are playing in incarceration. Sure. And sure. My son, one of my son's best friends worked there. So he worked I used to run. I used to run security. And then they sub they sub this because a guy that runs the incarceration incarceration is a buddy of mine, and uh, so he used to bring me in, and I used to bring in all my gym buddies to work security. We had a blast. I got to meet um, Buck Cherry, and I got to meet Five Finger Death Punch, and all those guys, and they're really cool and stuff. And uh, so all we do is sit backstage. We'd escort them up on stage, and we'd sit backstage and listen to the concerts. And it was a good time. It was fun. Dang. It was yeah, fun. So Ned, when you come up, if you come up next year, whatever, get a hold of me and uh, um, we'll have to get together. Yeah, we'll go get some dinner or something. There you go. Yeah. Um, you you are just, I'm sitting there going through, like I said, going through your IMDb. And you're, in the amount of time, 2014, nine years ago, you've been just, you know, just bam, 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 bam. You are just pounding out the movies well, we're working at in ohio you know i got a lot of people tell me that that the stuff that i've been on living in ohio and not living out in la or living in atlanta or living in louisiana where it's or new york where the big movie base is pretty impressive because i mean most of the movies i've worked on are um if they're if i'm doing stunts i'm in the real big action movie stuff like um captain america the winter soldier or cherry or um, white noise or you know those movies um judas and the black messiah 
those, some of those are nominated for Oscars and stuff. And then in the lower budget movies, I'm working on horror and action and stuff where I actually get to go all out and do what I actually love to do, you know? So, I mean, I've been pretty blessed. I really have. Yeah. And, and I don't even, to, to be honest, I'm looking at your upcoming projects and I don't know how you have time to do this interview because you are. <laughs> well, a lot of it's because everything's on strike and nothing's going to get start back till, um, till uh, the first of the year. Cause okay. everybody goes on a Christmas shutdown. You know, I mean, the only projects from what I was told, the only projects that are going to be working now are things that need to be finished that were in the, in the process of being shot and then everything shut down because of the strike. Yeah. That's what, and then at the beginning of the year, I hear movies like um, Blade is coming to Cleveland, which is the Wesley Snipes vampire movie, but they're going to reboot that. Yep. Um, some stuff in Cincinnati. Um, there's a, I, from what I understand, there's 27 movies that have posted or had that have that have put in applications for next year's tax incentive. Now, not all of them will get them, but hopefully some big ones. The bad thing is you get a big budget movie like The Blade that's like $40 million. That's going to take up a lot of your tax incentive money. Mm -hmm. I'd rather get lower budget movies and have 12 months of work than get one monster movie come in and suck up all the tax incentive and then you only get, you know, two months of work. They at that. Some, uh Avengers 1 in Cleveland too. Yeah, yeah. Parts of it, that New York and Atlanta, and then they went overseas. Yeah, because mm -hmm. Atlanta is like the go-to. And like I said, <laughs> finding out that Ohio and is man, they're, they're filming so much stuff here is crazy. Um, I, I, I'm gonna I'm like we. I live in Pickle. You, you've been here. They right. were trying to film a movie here in the '90s. And it's because we have all the old buildings. Everything still sure. looks like it kind of does in the 50s. Sure. So they were going to film a movie here, and the city turned it down. Really? Like, uh, are you kidding me? They didn't want to bring a bad element to Piqua. And I'm like, the bad element's already here. We might as well make money while we're doing it. Well, they, they did uh, – they shot uh, um, Hillbilly Allergy, which was a Ron Howard movie based on the pill and cocaine epidemic – and how this family went through all this. And there was nothing great about that movie. It was kind of like hopelessness. And they shot that in Middletown. Mm -hmm. You know? And then they shot the movie. Have you ever seen the movie Donnybrook with Frank Grillo? And um, Bell. Um, what's his name? Something Bell. Um, no. And that movie makes you want to shoot yourself in the head when you watch that. Because it's just, just, it's just... It's just about hopelessness and and people just don't care and yeah yeah there it is so look at donnie brook yep donnie brook you're a henchman henchman but if, you, but if you look at the lead actor the lead actor's name is bell something bell uh see. jamie bell jamie bell yep. and he's in a lot of stuff he was in rocket man with uh um the uh the story of elton john and yeah stuff like that. so he's a decent name actor and the thing I find out that's crazy is, is when I go on set, I'm usually the biggest guy on set. You look at these actors and you think like, like Sylvester Stallone, he's super, I mean, he's put together and stuff, but on TV, he looks like he's about six one, six two. And when you see him in real life, he's only like five foot seven. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it's crazy. I mean, you get some of your guys like Dwayne Johnson, who's a big dude, and Dave Batista, who's a big dude, and uh, um, Ben Diciel Del Toro, who's a big guy. But most of your actors, they're not really big guys. So yeah. it's like, like I remember auditioning for um, Witch Hunter, which is with Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, yeah, yeah. And Vin Diesel, they told him, or he told them, that there was me and three other guys there that were pretty big guys that he didn't want us on set because we were bigger than him and we outshined him his size. And I'm sitting there thinking, come on, get over it, dude. You're the lead actor. I'm just a, I'm just a, um, a stunt guy that's going to get punched in the face and thrown down a flight of stairs. What the hell's the deal? You know, but hey. Well, my wife watched, uh, we watched Fast 10 the other day. Okay. I, was t- I was telling her about the the uh, rules that him, Vin Diesel, The Rock, and, and uh, um, um, Jason Statham right. have rules in their contract that, that they can't look, even though The Rock is ginormous compared to Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel's like my height. Right. And... You know, and Jason Statham, I think it's like six foot. They all supposed to have to look the same height right. on film. And they can only take, um, they all have to take the same amount of punishment. Uh, none of them can look weak. And I'm like, you guys know <laughs> this is a movie. It's make-believe, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Like There, there was a guy, um, my stunt, the stunt guy I usually work with for, his name is Rick Fike. And he runs Stunt Predators out of Cleveland. Super good guy. And he worked on a movie down in Cincinnati called The Goat. And James Franco was the lead actor, and he was also the producer. When you go on set, you're not allowed to look him in the eyes. You got to look at the ground, or you got to look over his shoulder. You can't look him straight in the eyes, or he'll fire you. I'm sitting there thinking, boy, get over the ego. You know, I mean, it is what it is. I understand that that you're making uh, millions and millions of dollars, but yeah. You put your pants on just like I do, you know? As I've said, ain't nobody that important. The best is, the best is, uh, uh, there's a there's a small little clip of Brad, Brad Pitt and Adam Sandler on YouTube talking about stunt guys. And he says, and Adam Sandler's like, stunt guys are the coolest guys in the world because they sit over there in their corner by themselves. They take a beating and then they sit and watch. And then they kind of cheer you on when you're going, when, when you're doing your thing. And he goes, I've always wanted to be hang out with the stunt guys. The stunt guys are the cool guys. And it's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. That's um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has kind of said the same thing about all the people he worked with, with Terminator and the Conan right. movies and stuff. He's stunt, stunt guys. That's the that's where it's at. Same with Jackie Chan. But then again, he had his own stunt guys. Right. So. Right. Well, you know, the thing about getting into it was is – if you can stunt double somebody, you got it made. Like I got a buddy of mine, his name's Tanawa, Tanawa Reed, and it's The Rock's cousin, but it's The Rock's stunt double. And he looks exactly like you. And if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but he gets a certain percentage of The Rock's contract. So whatever The Rock signs his contract for, he gets a certain percent of it. Even if he's only on for one day or two days, he's still making all that money. So, I mean, it's like, like I had an audition. They shot a movie down in – um in a Cincinnati Dayton area called Chain of Command, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I was supposed to stunt double Stone Cold Steve Austin. But I found out that three weeks before I was supposed to go down there that I had the brain tumor and 
kind of had to back out of it. But uh, if I could have got in stunt double and Steve Austin, that would have been great, you know, because whenever he does a movie, then he brings in his own stunt guy because he knows they know how to work off each other's mannerisms and stuff, you know? So, but hey, and like I said, you win some, you lose some. That's yeah. the name of the game. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, if we all came up winners all the time, then everybody. Yeah, it'd be boring, wouldn't it? Nobody would be a winner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. So, so where do you see yourself in uh, like five years? You see yourself in about in five the- years. In about five years, I see myself still doing a little bit of stunts, but doing more into the acting. Um, trying to, my goal is to be in a superhero movie. I want to play the villain in a superhero movie. Um, that'd be great. I mean, but like I said, I like the prosthetic monster get up stuff. I enjoy that. I enjoy the whole making of it and stuff. Um, but in five years, I hope to, and this is, might sound bad, but I hope to not start crippling up from all the wrestling and all the stunt work. I work out every day. Me and my wife work out all the day, every day. Um, she's a big fitness guru enthusiast and she loves, we get up every morning at five o'clock. We go to the gym before we go to work. And I got to keep doing that because if I don't do that, then I'm going to blow up because I eat like a horse and I'm going to start to cripple up because I don't keep my joints limber and loose. So hopefully I can shed a few pounds and still be in decent shape. That's where I kind of see myself in five years. And I hope to be still doing the the acting. The acting and the stunts. The stunts, I can always stunt drive. It doesn't matter if I'm 70 years old, I can stunt drive. And I can always uh, throw a right hand and, and stuff like that. It's the whole thing of falling down, getting back up, doing it all over again. Falling back down, get that's where it's going to take its toll, you know? Yeah, 100%. I've, uh, I'm going through that now years and years of working in factories has destroyed my knees and my back. Sure. Oh, I can imagine standing yeah. on that concrete all the time. Yeah. And now I've gotten healthy and lost a ton of weight. I'm like, man, I wish I had done this a long time ago. Then I wouldn't sure. be in the condition I'm in now. Well, I know what uh, you're saying. Yeah. Um, no, cause you've got range. I've seen, you know, I've seen some of your movies. I've seen them all, but I've seen a lot of them, mm. you know, you can be the stunt man. You can be the the suit actor. You can be the heavy. You can right. be, you know, and you've got wide up. So you're always going to be in in demand. And I didn't know if you were going to go into coordinating. Like, okay. I like to. I like yeah. to do a little bit of that. But I wouldn't be a cord because I know nothing about fire. I know nothing about water. I would be more of the fight choreographed guy designing mm-hmm. fights and making sure the pads are down and they're suited up with pads and they're falling right and stuff like that um i wouldn't mind being doing the fight choreographing um stunt to be a stunt coordinator you got to have a rolodex thick of people that know fire people that know water people that know driving all this and that and uh um i know some of those people i don't know well well enough where i can recommend them but i know them you know there's a guy up here in, in cleveland area by the name of skylar white who's a pyro guy and he does all the fire burns and all that stuff. And he's good. I mean, he's really good. And then there's a buddy of mine by the name of Jason Sikansky, who's a stunt driver and he's great. He can flip a car. He can do everything. Um, And I would recommend those guys, water guys. I don't know. You know, Um, I'm not real. I know a couple of guys that do the rigging and the wiring, but I don't know how to do all that fixing the pulley systems and all that stuff. I don't know any of that stuff, you know? So 
you, you got me you got me intrigued now i've, I've got a couple <laughs> scripts i've i've got floating around here i got i got i got, I got a um I would say, lack of a better term, superhero that I've created. And it's um, John Wick meets Japanese mythology. Oh, nice. Um, what it is, is there's a mask and it's the crow too. It's a bit of the crow in there too. Um, you're given you're given this mask and you become possessed by the Oni, you know, a, a Japanese vengeance demon. And you go get your revenge and I'm like, hmm, <laughs> I need a big guy to beat the crap out of somebody. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the biggest thing I find is, and I and I got a couple of buddies, my my buddy Gary Jones, who does a lot of of, of sci-fi horror stuff. Mm -hmm. it's, it's financing. Oh yeah, gotta have the financing, and you know, you know people, and he, what he does is. What he does is when he gets a check from the distributor, he pays all the financing people or the people that finance his movie back first or gives them a percentage of it to keep them happy. So when he goes to shoot his next movie, that they're eager to come back in because, hey, we already got our money back and it's only been two years yeah. where sometimes it takes 20 years and you, so you get some of these producers that take their claim first before they pay back their investors, you know? You, you get that creative Hollywood accounting that right. that movie's never made money. What is it? Um, up until what a couple of years ago, Star Trek Two never made any money. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I I technically I have a money guy. Um, I have my first movie funded. Uh, I have to redo almost everything because everything I had originally scripted and everything I had planned. Because I had too many people flake. I had people take other jobs in other areas. So I had to keep postponing my movie. Sure. And, you know, yeah, we're only supposed to do a two-day shoot. It's going to be, you know, a quick. It's a segment of, a, of, a, of an anthology. So it's only going to be like 15 minutes to a half hour. And uh, I had a $5,000 budget. Still do got a $5,000 budget. And you know it's one of the ones where you're like, oh, okay, well, let's what work with. Well, my guy's what he he's he wants to get into producing. He wants to get his name in there. Sure. He wants to get in the movie making. And I'm like, I can probably work that out with you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the one thing about it is, and I got a buddy of mine who does. He's a songwriter, and he writes music for um, guys like Shooter Jennings mm -hmm. and Tammy Wynette and stuff like that. So I mean, he's and and songwriting is a lot like movie script writing because they both tell stories. Mm -hmm. It's just in a different format. And he goes, a lot of these producers don't take me seriously. Even though they know I'm a big music writer, they don't take me serious because I've never had a movie done. He goes, I just got to get something under my belt. Once you get something under your belt and it looks great or looks halfway decent, then people start taking you serious, you know? Well, it's, it's one of the reasons a lot of these guys have started doing, like, the fan films. Right. And stuff like that. Yeah, there's no money in them, technically, because you can't profit from them. Right. But it's a great, you know, lack of a better term, a sizzle reel. Because right. you've got a full-blown movie that's finished that has the actors and actresses. And, you know, it's got the special effects and stuff like that in there. And people can look at it and go, okay, well, what kind of budget did you have when you did that? Okay, all right. And they can look at it and... Right. Well, my buddies just did, uh, well, they're not really my buddies. I don't really know them that well. They did a uh, Stephen King dollar baby movie. 
where you buy the script for a dollar and you shoot it. Yeah. And before you show it, you have to send it back to him to have him look at it. And, uh, um, but you can't profit off it. You put it on YouTube, you know, and all that stuff, but you can't get any kind of profit off of it. And it turned out pretty decent, but I mean, it's his first time. He just graduated from Kent State Film Department and it it, it turned out halfway decent. I mean, I got to, I did the fight scenes. I did sort I choreographed the fight scene in it. And yeah, I was working with a guy who was really, really green. So it was like, it could have been a lot better, but you know what? It was what it was. And I got to say, I got to work on a Stephen King movie. What's really not a Stephen King movie, but you know, but Hey, it was, it was good because it was in a time that it was really, really slow for me. And I wanted something to do, you know? So. No, um, I, I don't want, I don't want you to, 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 I guess, um, if, if you can say yes or no, um, have, is there a project you've worked on? that has been your favorite. Yeah. You know what I've worked on. I enjoyed the ax giant movie. And I enjoyed the Escape from Death Block 13 movie and Clown Town. And the reason I enjoyed those was because I was involved with a lot in a lot of different aspects. I was involved in the stunt coordinating along with the acting, along with the stunts, along with some of the producing. In the Death Block movie, I helped cast some of the, the wrestlers that were the prison guys that did the fight scenes and stuff. So I kind of like to wear more than one hat. Now, the movie that really overwhelmed me was Red Notice because it was a $140 million budget. So there was no cost, all costs. They did everything and anything. And they shot it at Metro Studios in Atlanta. And if, when you, have you seen Red Notice? Yeah. Okay. The Russian prison scene that looks like it's in a castle in a snowstorm. They put a bubble over the studio and they used it as a green screen. And then they had snow blowing machines and they built the castle and I'm sitting there and I'm still, and I got still shots of in front and behind the wood framing and stuff. And it's just crazy. But over, overall, um, and the crazy thing was the rock stunt doubles, a buddy of mine, because uh, a friend of mine lives in Atlanta and sells um, real estate and the rock stunt double bought a condo from him right next door. So whenever I go to Atlanta, me and the rock stunt double, we go out and I pick his brain because he's in everything. And I pick his brain. And then I used his pull to get on red notice because they were looking for Russian prison looking guys, prison guard guys. And he sent me an email saying, this would be great. Let me give you my information to the, the assistant stunt coordinator. She's going to get a hold of you. So it's, it's all about connections and hustling, just like in anything else. But overall movie experience Red Notice takes the cake. But the most fun I've had on movies was Death Block and Axe Giant and Clown Town because I ha I wore many hats in that that project. Mm. Yeah, th those are fun. Those the Axe Giant and Clown Town are great. Yeah, we had a good time making those. It was it was pretty fun. It's and and you can tell what people are enjoying being on set enjoying right. filming the movie because man if you if you watch a movie and you can tell the people are, like especially the actors are not happy right or if the lead's not happy you can see it sure. and then it just drags the movie down and <laughs> it doesn't matter how much money you spend on that movie you're never going right. to make it good because the people don't want to be there right so and, we, uh, we shot when we shot clown town um we shot that from eight o'clock at night to eight in the morning and uh 
there was one day we wrapped about six and I didn't want to take a shower. I just wanted to go home. So I left my clown makeup on. And as I'm driving home, and this is when the clown epidemic thing was going on. Yeah. I got pulled over by the state highway patrolman on the way home. And he had his hand on his holster as he walked up to the car. And I rolled down the window and he goes, uh, this might be a dumb question, but uh, why are you in clown makeup? And I said, oh, I'm working on a movie for Bob Kurtzman and Crest. Oh, Bob, why can't okay, I understand? Just make sure you wash that crap off because you really had me worried there for a minute. So that was kind of a fun story. And I'll always remember that story because it was kind of crazy. We, uh, when, when I did the movie where I had the, the gash, I uh, worked third shift. I went directly from work, got off at seven, drove an hour south, down about Middletown, huh. shot the movie, set and makeup for five hours, whatever, did the whole movie, come home, and I got some of the makeup off while I was there. Sure. And we, I'm like, man, I'm starved. And my wife's like, well, let's stop at Wendy's. We roll up the Wendy's, and I don't think about it. So I order my food, and I go up there, and the girl goes to hand me the food, and I turn around, and I get this big gash across my face. There's blood in my oh, hair. Oh, that's awesome. I have a bullet hole. That's the like, best. Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I was in a movie. She's like, oh, cool. I can let you hand me the food. Oh, that's too funny. That's too funny. I, I worked on uh, the Ben Stiller movie down and there's a there's a place down there called Park and Eat. It's kind of like Denny's. Yeah. And we went in there, but I didn't get the tattoos, the swastika tattoos off the back of my head. And I had, on the one hand, I had hate. And on the uh, other hand, I had fear on my knuckles. And when I walked in there, African-American lady was our waitress. And she oh. was scared to death. You could see she was scared to come up to the table. She came up and I said, and my buddy kind of nudged me, said, dude, you didn't wash those tattoos off the back of your head. And so I had to explain to her, and then she kind of warmed up to us. But you could tell she was a little nervous coming over because here's a big ball-headed swat with swastikas all over his head and stuff like that. But, yeah, I know how you feel when, when you walk into something and you don't realize you have it on nope. and it's still all over your face, you know? Too funny. And, and you're and you're such a big... I mean, you're a big dude. I mean, I you know, I got to talk to you, and and you've opened up, and and you're a super friendly guy. You're really personable and stuff like that. But man, you got to be. You're a big, intimidating guy. You're the big ball head, you know. Right. And that doesn't. That probably doesn't help me. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Not yeah. really. But <clears throat> but it, it's it's always you know it's good seeing people from Ohio doing good. It's good to see you know, being able to make a living and do what you enjoy and have fun and you get to meet all these cool people. Sure. And, and like I said, you got to meet Neil McGregor. I, I wouldn't, have, I, I would have been perfectly fine, but it would have been like a three second gap. I'm like, oh, look right. at me. And then I'm like, right. okay, we're good. Know what you mean. The only one, the only one that I really got it. Cause I mean, I knew Dwayne Johnson from back in the wrestling days. Cause he was yeah. just, coming out as Rocky Maivia, just started off. So he wasn't at the persona that he was at when he was at the end. So, I mean, he was approachable and, you know, you could sit and talk to him in the locker room and stuff. So I knew him. The only one that I really got starstruck from was I'm a big Mickey Rourke guy. And uh, I saw him out in LA and uh, I'm stopped at a stoplight and I look over and he's next to me in a convertible Mercedes and looked at and kind of not, and I sped right through the light. 
through the red light. And boy, I thought to myself, boy, I feel like a, a five-year-old schoolgirl, you know, that has a crush on somebody. But uh, yeah, I'm, 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 that was the only time that I really have ever been starstruck was Mickey Rourke, you know. Was was there anybody that you ever wrestled that you were like, oh my god, I gotta wrestle Ric Flair, or I gotta wrestle, you know, Shawn um, Michaels, or, or somebody that I you were like, cat, I wrestled a cat by the name of Ronnie Garvin back yeah, in the day. He's Ronnie Garvin, hands, yeah. he's called my hands of stone, and he used to do the twenty one chop salute on your chest, and he opened up, and my chest split wide open. There was blood. I I dreaded going out to the ring with him because I always heard that he was very difficult to work with in the sense of if you didn't take the chops, then he was going to give you a beating and not give you anything, you know? So that's the only one I really dreaded working was Ronnie, the hands of stone, Ronnie Garvin. I wasn't, uh, I was kind of nervous about going out and getting all beat up with that chop stuff. Cause I'm not a, I'm not like, I'm, I'm not big on getting smacked in the chest. <laughs> I don't know too many people that are, but no, no, I, I've, I've, there, there's two things, and it's funny because I, I was hanging out with a couple wrestlers a few years back, and um, I don't know what started it, but the whole, like, spitting on your opponent when they're down. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Nope. You nope. know, in some states, that's a that's a felony. Now. Yeah, it's a felony because, yeah, because you could have some communicable right. disease that you're – Just like you're really not allowed to what they call gig or juice or cut yeah. yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why um, I've gone to some deathmatch wrestling, but I've gone all the way up to Michigan because they can't do it in Ohio. Right. And hey, you know, you ever made a Madman Pondo? Yeah. I, I, Down in Kentucky? Uh, Pondo was up in Monroe, Michigan, but I met him the last time. That dude is crazy. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, I, mean, I, I that guy Pondo... would get paid, he'd get paid 50 bucks, and that guy'd be a bloody mess with glass in his back and tongue thumbtacks in the side of his head and stuff. And I'm like, really? That's well, my buddy, we go up there and he's like, okay, just watch this guy right here. He's Satu. He goes, um, he goes, watch him. He goes, he bleeds like it's his job and he will get it on you. And I was like, oh, really? And I looked down and he just walked by and I had blood on my pants. Oh. And I'm like, oh, what? oh. exactly. And then the last time we went up, it was supposed to be a uh, um, this guy full match gets the whole thing done. I got less than ten minutes in the entire day. This guy gets thrown into my lap, and I'm like, all of a sudden he he's, I push him off, and I look down, and my right leg from just below my where your like your changes your keys are mm-hmm. to the to underneath my knee is just soaked. And I'm like, uh, we got to drive all the way back from Michigan. Is that I blood? Like, I hope I don't get pulled over. Oh. And he goes, why? He's like, I can explain why I'm covered in somebody else's blood to a cop. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> and um, it, it, me, it's. Me and a buddy of mine, we're, we're talking about opening our own pro, pro wrestling organization. Yeah. And uh, we're going to go down to uh, OVW. I'm buddies with Al Snow. And uh, check out his pay-per-view over Thanksgiving. So, uh um, I got more things in the future. Hopefully, well, I may, maybe I'll come back on next year sometime and kind of catch up on what's going on. Oh yeah, and 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 uh, I'm I'm going to reach out to you if you're going to bring wrestling because one of my goals is is uh, we used to be a big wrestling town. 
Sure. Um, we were, and I didn't find this out until relatively recently. Um, we were the very tip, southern tip of the Sheik's territory. Oh, really? Yeah, we would get, Pickwell was the very bottom, and then I think Dayton, so there's like a little bit of an overlap, so there's right. a little bit between uh, Dayton and Pickwell, and Pickwell to Dayton, so like Troy and Tip City and whatnot. Right. Um, but I think that was the Memphis territory. Oh, wow, be. okay. And, um, but yeah, I didn't know what we were big time <laughs> wrestling until my, until my grandmother goes, oh yeah, we used to go to wrestling. And I used to take you when you were little and she's, she's like, and I pull up this ad and it's like, uh, uh Ernie Ladd, it's Bobo Brazil. She goes, oh yeah, we were there. Oh, nice. But oh, that's uh, awesome. we used to have DCW, but we lost all of our local wrestling. Sure. The local wrestling is down in Troy or over in Urbana. Uh, and my goal is to bring wrestling back to Piqua. Sure. And, and, um, I, my wife was, that's the only thing my wife has ever told me. No. Uh, because I was going to buy a ring and start my own promotion. And she's like, nope, you're already too busy. She goes, I'll never see you. Exactly. <laughs> like, okay. All right. So now my goal is to bring other people in and then there I can just kind of be like, all right, well, I can help you do whatever you want. I'll help you advertise. I'll get that out there. I can find a place to run it and go from there. So you guys got like an armory or anything there? We have an armory, but we lost the armory, but I think I could probably would be able to get it in the mall. Oh, okay. So if it was more of a, of a um, you know, yeah, you couldn't do like bloody matches or nothing like right, that. Right, right. More of a fan-friendly kind of yeah. thing. More yeah. like yeah. War Up in Lima, something like yeah. that. I'm yeah. sure we could get them in, in, in here in town in the mall. Sure. So. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. But, um, man, uh, I don't want to waste any more of your time. No, this was awesome. We'll have to do it again soon. Yes. And uh, one of these days, uh, if you're ever back in this area, or if I'm ever up in that area, I will get a hold of you. We'll go Definitely. Or Definitely. Uh, I don't even know how to go do a workout. I, I there you know. go. Exactly. You just get a hold of me. I, I, right, I, I, I appreciate it. Thank yep. you very much. Thank you, sir. And you have and a great evening. You too. Uh, this will drop tomorrow morning. Um, but before before we go, uh, or tomorrow afternoon, uh, can tell tell people where they can find you at. On, uh, on you my... can go on to my Facebook. is JP Hahn. Um, JP is for Johnny Paradise, which was my wrestling name. I got hacked about five years ago and I just kept JP Han. So that's my Facebook on, um, Instagram. It's CH stuntman. And then on, it's called X now, I think. Yeah. Formerly Twitter. Yeah. It's Chris Han actor. So those are my, uh, social media handles. Now, do you have your own personal site or any like uh, reels? Out I there used to, but I haven't. I haven't kept it up to date, so I'm not going to put it out there until I got all new stuff on it. But uh, okay. and you can go on IMDb and see everything that I've done. And on my Facebook page, I have everything I've done, everything I've got coming up. You know, just to keep everybody in the loop. Now, um, I, uh, uh, do you have uh, any of your movies on any of the streaming services? Yes, I've got. Um, Axe Giant, Escape from Death Block 13, or no, wait a minute, Axe Giant, and Clown Town, and Inoperable are on Tubi. Escape from Death Block 13 is on Amazon. Wicked and Vile, the Ted Bundy story is on Netflix, along with Red Notice. Wrong Turn is on Amazon. Um, Cherry is on Apple TV, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to. Judas and the Black Messiah is on HBO Max. 
And uh, I know I've got some more stuff out there. I just can't think of it right offhand. Okay. Well, I'll put links at the end of the show. And uh, like I said, thank you so much again, sir. And it's been No, I appreciate it. This was great. We'll have to do it again soon. Yep, yep. Just uh, tell me when, and we'll pop right back on here. You got it. Sounds good. Thank you, Paul. Take care, man. See ya. Yep.